0: To kick it off is Mike Marini, no stranger to 900 CHML, Marketing Coordinator with the City of Hamilton. Mike, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you, Rick? You came in this morning firing on all cylinders about the Tiger Cats, and maybe we'll save that <laughs> for another day. But who knows? If we need it, we'll we'll, we'll save those bullets uh, for later on in the show. And David Wright is the founder, head consultant of Casio Capital Advisors, Inc. David, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Pleased to be here. How nice was it last night to be amongst other people at Carmen's Banquet Center You know, looking at these entrepreneurs and getting excited about the future. Mike, we'll start with you on this one.
1: It was absolutely exciting. And all the credit in the world to the Innovation Factory team who put together another outstanding event. I think Mm -hmm. it's their 12th year now, and and they don't disappoint. Every year, it's just a great event. We love uh, sponsoring it and participating. And I think looking at it last night, uh, a few things struck me. The first thing was the variety of the ideas and the innovations. But not only the tech innovations themselves, the ideas, but it's the variety of the individuals who are pitching these ideas. It was multicultural. It was inclusive. And that's a great thing for the future of Hamilton to show that, you know, we're an inclusive community and we have room for all sorts of uh, of ideas from all uh, walks of life. And so that's a great thing for our tech community. It's Mm -hmm. very welcoming. The second thing that really struck me and and what we're sitting here today, we're sitting at McMaster Innovation Park and when you talk about the future of tech in Hamilton, they have a plan over the next number of years to increase the square footage to almost three million square feet and they're trying to raise nearly $2 billion in capital to keep innovation going, to keep it thriving. And so Innovation Factory is that linchpin in the whole plan here to keep that that community together and and to see that we have a number of startups and scale-ups that are succeeding in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're happy that Innovation Factory is is a partner in this quest. The third thing uh, is that we have a lot of the students there were there last night. We're coming out of Mohawk and McMaster. These are two of the most research-intensive universities and colleges in all of the country. So when you talk about the next generation of ideas, Hamilton is in a very good steed because of the, the talent pipeline that's coming out of our post-secondary institutions. Our challenge from, I'll say from the city standpoint, is to keep these these young professionals here. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a partner like Innovation Factory that can reach out to these communities, that can get them ingratiated into the community and make them feel welcome, make them feel a part that their ideas matter and that we they're valued and they have a future here then that is, is very good. Uh, it makes us feel good from the from the city standpoint.
0: There's a number of topics I'm going to pounce upon uh, in, in a couple of minutes, but I do want to ask David's reaction to last night and being amongst people and celebrating the entrepreneurship spirit and the innovative spirit that we have in this city.
2: Yeah, it was very exciting. I mean, I was meeting people that I've consulted with for some time through Zoom, and now you get the 3D image <laughs> of them, and that's always fun to see how tall they are. Um, but also to connect. I mean, last night I... Uh, Uh, You know, had a number of conversations that just because we're in person, you can have kind of a sidebar conversation about, oh, you know, oh, you're shipping to India. What are you going to do about that? Have you Mm -hmm. got patents in that area and that sort of thing? So when you get people in a room, you get a chance to, you know, talk about things that you wouldn't formally set up a meeting on. And that's what it takes to to kind of grow a business is uh, lots of ideas
0: yeah zoom and teams and these other applications have been great but seeing people face-to-face having those sidebar conversations really opens up the conversation opens up the possibilities to to do so much more mike back to you You mentioned um, inclusivity diversity 10 20 years ago was much different what has changed how have we been able to get to this level that we're seeing more bipoc creators and more of these innovators that we have not normally seen in the past
1: I think it's uh, part of our plan over the next five years, Uh, we have the Economic Development Action Plan, which is kind of like the blueprint for the economy. And a big part of that is a focus on EDI, Equity, Diversity and Inclusion, uh, and as well as climate change. So from an EDI lens, uh, what we're trying to do is ensure that our economy is as inclusive as possible. Uh, And so, you know, working with our Hamilton Business Centre, which is our small business centre, working with Innovation Factory. Um, we really want to be uh, a place, a city, a destination for ideas. And those ideas, uh, when you looked at the, the candidates last night for this competition, they're coming from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And so you need to ensure that um, you know, a sense of tolerance, a sense of belonging, uh, not only is imperative in how you run a city, but how you run the next uh, generation of, of tech. And I think that, that speaks very well. Last night's event speaks very well to the where where we are as a city uh, in terms of welcoming new
0: people and new ideas. David, when, when we think of the word innovation in this city, um, how do you think we're doing? Where are those opportunities to grow? Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, I think uh, Hamilton and McMaster is doing a fantastic
2: job because what they're focusing on is that a lot of uh, intellectual property in Canada, has come out of the universities, and now they're trying to actively tap into that. You've got some great ideas here in the medical community and in, in the engineering community. I mean, the McMaster's engineering department is, is world renowned. Obviously, the medical school is as well. And, uh, you know, so you're trying to tap into that. And from an investment standpoint, it's great to come up with a great idea, but you need to be able to defend that idea in the marketplace or someone yeah. steals it. And so having intellectual property like a patent or a trademark. Is the type of thing that you have to lean back on to protect yourself uh, in in the um, in the market uh, when, when you're selling your products, and so being able to lean back on the IP that that works for you
0: yeah absolutely this is the Lions layer post show we're live from innovation factory at mcmaster innovation park you're listening to 900 chml our first two guests are mike moraney marketing coordinator with the city of hamilton and david wright the founder head consultant of casio capital advisors my name is rick Samprin. thanks for tuning in this morning mike back to you you mentioned the word retention and that is a key part of this whole thing we can mm-hmm. develop the next generation of innovators and entrepreneurs but how do we keep them here
1: well, the nice thing is in the last decade, um, the Millennials have now comprised the largest cohort of Hamilton's population. So either they're coming here, uh, a lot of the times it's from the GTA, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are deciding to stay. They're coming here for a world-class education, whether through Mac or Mohawk or Redeemer, uh, and they're saying this is a great community. Uh, so our job in terms of retention is to keep them aware of the opportunities uh, that are available here so we have great partnerships with uh, mcmaster's uh, continuing education center uh, student success center working with mohawk college particularly idea works um, and then working with um, organizations like innovation factory to to ensure that not only are they receiving that you know on the job training um, when they're trying to start their business mm. but they're, they're receiving those supports about what the city can offer them and I can tell you, you know, I've been in economic development for 15 years, and the, the landscape has changed for when uh, businesses make decisions. It used to be, and it still is, uh, the final arbiter is money. How right. much does it cost me to run my business yeah. here? But it also was 10 years ago, it was, what are your tax rates? What are your labor rates? And those are important. But now they're asking more than ever, what's the quality of life? <laughs> what do I get for my employees and my family after 5 and on the weekends? And so where am I, you know, I can make that decision, either I can save money moving to this city or moving to this city, and they're generally the same cost. But Hamilton, uh, because of so much, um, you know, in terms of what, the, what it offers as a city, you know, you can go into an urban core, but five minutes away, you can be on a trail and go to the, the rural areas of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's that quality of life uh, argument is really that's, that's the big thing that's keeping people here sense
0: of place. Th- that's huge. Those intangibles are massive, especially for a workforce. David, are you hearing those kind of conversations as well in terms of what intangibles, what else does Hamilton have to offer? Um, I don't end up on those
2: kind of discussions, but Uh, cost structure is a big issue for startups because startups struggle to get revenue, which means they, you know, they struggle to cover their costs in some way, shape, or form. And so um, (coughs) having a facility like Innovation Factory where they can come and work for free because they can sit in a room Mm -hmm. and work together is just fantastic. The next thing that you need is you need, um, you know, I'll call them partners lawyers, accountants, people to help them put their finances together and to develop those patents or whatever it is. And if you're just new to a community, you don't know where to turn. Well, there were sponsors last night of Gowling and KPMG. And whether those are the names you go to first, but it's nice to know that they're there and you can reach out to them. And, you know, those are partners of Innovation Factory and therefore they are available you know, on a, on a one-off basis and, and maybe for a long-term perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's, it's um, you know, I don't get into the discussions, but obviously if you provide a great city and a great environment and the cost of housing is less, then they can afford to be here and expand their
0: ideas, and once you start
2: hiring a few people, then you know, you're going to be locked in here. Yeah.
0: You mentioned housing, and I'll just stick with that because that's a hot topic in this community and really across the province and across mm-hmm. the country. Yep. When it comes to that aspect, Mike, you mentioned millennials coming to uh, Hamilton, the GTAers coming to here over the last number of years. Now that the house prices have kind of stabilized, mm-hmm. uh, are we going to still see that kind of migration from the GTA to Hamilton, do you think?
1: Absolutely. Um, and a big part of our investment strategy is to reach GTA audiences and try to get them to come this way. I think the, the, the bare facts of it is it's it's quite costly to do business in Toronto.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's quite costly to you know live in Toronto. So a lot of people are coming this way. But what we've been noticing is that they're not just coming for a home anymore. They're coming, they're bringing their business, they're bringing their employees with them. Uh, a large a segment of the GTA workforce uh, lives in Hamilton. And so if we can get those businesses to go where their workforce is, uh, we're much better off. I think... One big game changer for us, in terms of the housing option, uh, was all day go. Yeah, and so absolutely. you know people can get to and from the big city uh, on the hour. Uh, so that's been a big draw for us, because now a lot of Toronto companies are looking at it and say, okay, now you've got efficient transportation systems to get around. I think the next step now is LRT, because a lot of those millennials, a lot of those um, individuals from the GTA have settled in the lower city. and And so they want to get across the city, and they're not coming with you know two three vehicles you know they're living in toronto they're using ttc a lot and so they're used to this sense of public transit. So the the transit investments we're making, whether it's bus service, LRT line, now the accessible GO Train on the hour, that's really going to be drawing people from a, a housing perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, David, you, you were mentioning, you know, the, one of the key words is you know working together, collaborating. How huge of a component is it for entrepreneurs to you know grab at different aspects of what is available to them out there to make their business successful? You can't
2: uh, expect that an, a single entrepreneur is going to have all the skills and knowledge to grow a company. I mean, we're sometimes talking about university students. We're sometimes talking about people that are in their 40s and 50s, and, but they still don't have all the skills. They yeah. might be an engineer, not an accountant. They might be a lawyer, not a, you know, whatever, an engineer. So t- obviously, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, what you're trying to do really is build a team. A team around you of consultants, of advisors, of employees, and uh, having that community available to you is what will make you successful. Mm -hmm. Being able to come into a place like Innovation Factory and, you know, oh, there's a group of mentors I can talk to who are experts in, I'm in the capital markets, but experts in marketing and how do I build a business plan and all that, just tapping into that is so important for these companies because they're going to be dealing with every kind of challenge you can imagine over the next 10, 15 years, yeah. right? It's not like if I just am successful this year, there's tons of investment ideas. I've seen that, you know, have a great run for seven years and then hit a wall and now what, right? Mm-hmm. So they need to have relationships build up. So when they hit that wall, there's somebody out there that can help them kind of go around it, go
0: over it, go under it, yeah, get through it. That's always been around though, but did it ramp up when the internet arrived? Um, well I guess there
2: was always informal connections yeah I think you know from governments have have recognized that we need to establish pockets of communities. Uh, I mean, I I wasn't in this part of the market, in the angel part of the market uh, back in 2010 when they established the innovation centers, uh, research innovation centers. My understanding was, you know, kind of an afterthought was, why don't we put angel groups with them? So, you know, oh, great, let's get a community here. Oh, Mm -hmm. we need a community of funders. (laughs) Let's put them with it, right? So now there's angel groups established basically at the same spots where the RIC centers are. Um so so you know it's just been formalized and that has helped um you know build the various centers communities I, I I'm familiar with Con- Canada I I I'm born in Ottawa right. I worked in Montreal so I met a number of these communities and I mean Ottawa did a fantastic job of building out around uh, Bell
0: Bell Northern Research
2: hmm. right and built out that community around that and now Hamilton is doing a fantastic job trying to build a community here. Yeah. As well.
0: Before we let you guys go, we got about a minute. Just, we'll start with you, Mike. Your reaction to last night's Lions Lair winner, the concept, the the product. What were your thing? What were your thoughts?
1: Oh, it was great. It was it was quite innovative, and uh, you know, I think the thing about tech you really have to redefine it some a lot of people think it's just someone who sits in front of a computer and does code but Mm -hmm. tech can be anything like arcelor mattel defasco is a tech company the way they make steel now so that uh the winner last night is is a great example of kind of marrying uh what's could be socially popular and then trying to add that that tech element to Mm -hmm. it um but to david's point i think the biggest thing that i took away from is hamilton is a city of 500,000, but it's a town of 500. And so everyone knows each other somehow. And particularly in the innovation community, in the tech community, uh, that's been uh, boding quite well for Hamilton. It's these connections; these connection points are much easier to make in this city. And uh, Innovation Factory should be given a lot of credit for for making those introductions between entrepreneurs and keeping those those connections going.
0: One hundred percent, David. Really quick, your thoughts on the winner last night? Yeah, I, I
2: mean, this is a pitch competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, what tends to win is the more advanced companies. So we had some companies last night that were in concept phase, and uh, I mean, Board Ball is is a product that's shipping to. so they're going to be more advanced in their legal financial and all that so that's fantastic what we celebrated last night was what 16 companies that are on the cusp of breaking out and uh, we had to pick a winner but really (laughs) we're celebrating the innovation that's going on in 2022
0: absolutely all winners for sure you're listening to the bill kelly show podcast on 900 chml Happy to have you on board for this fantastic program as we talk about entrepreneurship, innovation, moving this city forward in an exciting way. And here to talk about that fact is Aaron Gillespie, a partner with KPMG and a financial lion. Aaron, good morning. How are you? Morning, Rick. Very good. Also on the line, we have Alex Ross. He is with Gowling WLG, also a lawyer, registered Canadian patent agent, and a legal lion. Alex, good morning. How are you today?
3: Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you.
0: Aaron Thanks we'll start with we'll start with you, Aaron, last night, 300 people at Carmen's Banquet Center, uh, Lions Lair contestants who have uh, you know fought their way up the the ladder to try and win this whole darn thing. Uh, give us your summation of how the evening went and how how nice it was to be in front of other human beings.
4: Yeah, that was probably <laughs> the point that came most to mind is yeah, amazing event, and it was just great to be back in person because the last two years have been virtual which actually has gone quite well, but there's nothing like getting back in the room, like you said, Rick, and and being at Carmen's, great hosts, and uh, the event went off so well, and I heard that throughout the night consistently from the contestants, from all the people attending, the, how great it was to be back in person, and, and uh, it just went so well.
0: Alex, there's a certain buzz when you're around other people discussing things of, of common interest or things that, as I said earlier, that can move the city forward. Being in person at that event last night, how did you feel?
3: Well, I have to confess that I was not able to be there because I'm actually at a uh, conference at the moment uh, related to intellectual property, But I I can tell you, having been at the first of these in-person conferences in about three years, that buzz and that excitement is is genuine, and it's great for people to be back in person.
0: Aaron, you're a financial lion.
4: What does that mean? So my job as a financial lion was to judge the six contestants, sixteen, excuse me, contestants, on their financial readiness. So how, how? Another way to look at it is financial viability, and I look at things like. What what is their banking relationship with the bank? Have they thought about the financing that they need for their business? Where are they going to get that financing, the sources of the financing? How about the employment needs that they have? How will they fulfill those? Uh, Look at things like their record keeping. And are they keeping up with all their compliance with all their filings that they need to do? Things like that. Mm -hmm. So I look at the financial viability of the companies and I, I judge them on that and also try to give them some mentorship and then ultimately rank them. And uh, then they uh, they see where they go from there to the uh, live pitch contest last night.
0: So you're doing a financial diagnostic, analyzing, uh, are they ready to launch their product if they're indeed at that stage? Were most, if not all, in pretty good financial standing?
4: You know what, overall, Rick, I was very pleased with what I saw nice. from uh, the 16 contestants. Uh, you know, it's amazing what, uh, in particular, these young people. Uh, they've just got the right uh, gusto, if you will, and um, they were in great shape. Uh, you know, some of them at different stages, but overall, uh, amazing, uh, amazing young companies, and um, the chances of
0: success for a lot of them are uh, are high. I would say. Wow, that's amazing, uh, Alex. You are a legal lion, so my guess is you're you're focused on the legalities of how these businesses may one day operate.
3: Yes, what we're looking for is whether they've gotten themselves into a position where they're well positioned with the legal t's crossed and i's dotted for investors to come in and be confident that they're not going to be caught up by an unexpected legal problem what we're looking to do is is get them in a situation where they're not told you know i think you need a lawyer because that's a sign you probably needed one a whole lot sooner so we want to make sure that they've considered whether there are regulatory provisions that govern the line of business that they're entering into, whether their corporate organization is appropriate, whether they've evaluated what types of intellectual property they possess and have taken appropriate legal steps to protect it, those sorts of things. And it's a real credit to all of the education that the innovation factory has been putting on over the years that consistently the candidates for lion's lair get better and better and this was a remarkably well prepared group of companies. And it was, in many cases, very, very hard to find anything to criticize because they had clearly done their homework.
0: That's great to hear. Is there, when there, when there is a startup company, what, what is the most common legal issue, or maybe legal question, that comes about? It, it
3: really depends on the nature of the company. One of the big ones is making sure that incorporation is, is done properly. Sometimes you'll have a startup that hasn't actually created the company as a legal entity, as as a vehicle for carrying the business forward. Other times they may have tried to create the company themselves without legal advice. So the share structure isn't set up appropriately to solicit investors. And the other thing that is quite common is where they're creating pieces of intellectual property. and, And that can typically arise if there is a technical innovation or something in the software space that they're working on that they haven't got the ownership and the protection ironed out appropriately. It may be that different people came and went into the startup as it was evolving, and the rights to that key technical innovation that's going to be the core of the company may not have been properly transferred. So that is one that is fairly common, and I I should stress it was not anything that we encountered with any of these candidates. They were, as I mentioned, extremely well-prepared.
0: You're listening to the Lion's Lair Post Show live from the Innovation Factory at McMaster Innovation Park on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. We have Aaron Gillespie here in Ronsite, a partner with KPMG and a financial lion, and Alex Ross is with Gowling WLG, also a lawyer, registered Canadian patent agent, and a legal lion. As we're dissecting what happened uh, last night with the Lions Lair Gala at Carmen's Banquet Center and the 16 contestants who are up for uh, some uh, pretty critical steps along the way as they get their product or service to market. The financial game is wide-ranging, Aaron. There are so many pitfalls and hurdles and challenges to get through. Is there a common stumbling block that many entrepreneurs kind of hit along the way to say, Aaron, we need some help here. What do we do?
4: If I had to uh, break it down into just one, Rick, I would say it's cash flow. So measuring out over the next year, two years, three years, four years, as far out as you can project, how are you going to maintain positive cash flow to keep the business going? Right. There's lots of times that these companies have good ideas. They've done a lot of things well, but they simply don't have the cash to, to survive or they actually raised the cash if they're fortunate to do so. And some of them are. Some of you, even, even the contestants uh, last night have actually raised uh, some initial financing, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But when, what is what, what we call their burn rate? When will they burn through all that money and require more money? And, if, and when is that? And how are you going to handle that? What's the plan? So I would say cash flow, managing cash flow. What's the cash coming in? What's the cash going out? And what's the timing of such?
0: Is there a general timeline in which most companies get to a point where they're like, oh, the cash flow is not what we thought it was going to be? Is that two years, is that five years, is that 10, is that more?
4: I would say it's usually seen sooner than they realize. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there, it depends on the business, obviously, and what's going on in the business. So it, it would certainly be, uh, in, um, you know, uh, personal teach business. However, uh, yeah, I would say sooner than they think. And, and again, that's why that's probably the most critical thing they can do is, is actually put some thought to that and project that out and Mm. think about that.
0: Alex, from a a legal collaborative standpoint, we know that uh, innovators, entrepreneurs work together on a number of different fronts. Is the legal part of it left to the end or is that something that most uh, people who are starting up a business will get to first because if they don't have that, they can't move forward?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And It actually depends on what kind of generalized advice they receive received. And it's one of the things that Innovation Factory does really well is they give them the guidance about what legal things need to get lined up very early. There are some legal things that can be put off to a little bit later and some that need to be done earlier and knowing what those are is very challenging. But for the most part, if they've had good preparation and they've received good guidance, then they'll be able to get the, the legal arrangements made for the type of business that they are in, and they won't run into those sorts of troubles. But you will occasionally see, precisely because of, of one of the issues that Benair mentioned, which is the cash flow, that sometimes the legal will get put off, and it can be a case of penny wise and pound foolish sometimes That you, you think you're saving some money by not getting this advice, but then you put yourself in a position where you may have an investor walk away, or you may find yourself in an entanglement that is much more costly to extricate yourself from than it would have been to avoid at the beginning.
0: And the reason I ask that question is, you're, you're a registered Canadian patent agent. If, if I'm starting a business, and listen, I'm nowhere near that, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably looking at, you know, do I need a trademark? Do I need a patent before I even take the first step towards anything else? Is that, is that things that people are considering or, or cautious of when they're entering the, uh, the entrepreneur world?
3: Yeah, it's a fantastic point, because patents in particular... If you disclose your invention in a way that makes it available to the public before you have filed your first patent application, that will Mm -hmm. prevent you from getting a patent in most jurisdictions in the world. So that's one of those where waiting can be absolutely fatal. Uh, Trademarks used to be based on primarily a a use-based system, and it's now proceeded towards a registration-based system. So again, if you've got a particular name that you want to use, you wanna take appropriate steps to search the name and make sure it is available and then apply to register it soon. What you don't want to do, to use a trademark example, is select a trademark that you're going to use to distinguish your business from others and spend a whole lot of money on branding and developing that trademark and then find out that someone else has prior rights and can force you to stop using it. So now you've got legal expenses from dealing with that allegation, you've got business expenses from trying to convert over, and you've got a whole host of problems in terms of your branding and your marketing strategy because now you have to change your identity in the market. So those are, from the intellectual property perspective, a a key area where you're going to want to move very, very early on to make sure that you are not doing anything that's going to jeopardize your rights.
0: Do you have any stats, Alex, in terms of um, how many companies stumble down that road and whether it's statistics or anecdotal evidence on how many companies are kind of caught or how many entrepreneurs are caught up in that kind of phase?
3: I I have seen it a few times. It's certainly getting better than it was when I began my practice. And I think that the general education for entrepreneurs, uh, whether it's Innovation Factory or or their partner organizations throughout the province, have done a lot to, to prevent that from happening. But you, you will occasionally feel the call from somebody who says, I want to patent this product that I launched three years ago. And it, it, you're, now you're giving somebody very bad news that they don't want to hear. But I, I think companies are typically getting better with it. Uh, but it, it's not even limited to startups. You will sometimes see companies of, of higher levels of sophistication will approach you to patent a product that's been on the market for a period of time as well. So it, it it's difficult to say where that's coming from, but the general education that is being put out by the entrepreneurial support organizations, I think, is starting to help because it, it's certainly not as common as it used to be many years
0: ago you're listening to the lion's lair post show live from the innovation factory at mcmaster innovation park on 900 chml rick samprin with you we have alex ross with gowling wlg also a lawyer and a registered canadian patent agent and a legal lion and uh, here on site we have aaron gillespie a partner with kpmg and a financial lion aaron back to you when it comes to funding options are most entrepreneurs aware of what is out there what is available what they can tap into
4: there's more to learn there's no doubt about it in particular i'll, I'll say on the government support side the government uh, various levels of government tend to come out with funding that is available for these uh, startup companies but the, it's trying to keep up with that because the programs come and they go right. and they have small windows of opportunity often where uh, you're able to apply or they'll have very specific uh, requirements such as uh, perhaps you're, where you're located from a geographical perspective, uh, where you are in uh, in your business in terms of the life cycle of the business, maybe what product or industry you're in. So they'll have very specific requirements, and that's where it can be a bit of a challenge, and, and uh, these people need support, and they can get that support from uh, Innovation Factory or from uh, firms like ourselves, from KPMG, to give them a line of sight on what programs are coming down the pipe how you need to prepare what information you have. So I'd say on the government side, the funding is often there, but it's just keeping up with that. And I think that's where often the challenge is for these, uh, these um, early stage companies.
0: And those funding, um, uh, let's just call them uh, perks, uh, if you will, they don't end once you launch a company. I mean, they're, they're, they're available uh, for established companies just as they are for ones that are a year old
4: that's right yep there's there's uh funding available all the time in different manners of course uh, one of the areas where where folks like this uh, look is to uh, family and friends to start Uh, that that's quite uh, quite common and, uh, and then you can go to something a little more formal where you're actually raising significant sums of money and giving up a stake in your company and things like that. And so they look at that as well, but no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, the journey, um, never ends in terms of getting funding to do the things you want to do. And then there's always conventional lending, of course, too, uh, bank loans.
0: Mm-hmm. Are most startups or are many startups these days a little more financially savvy or sound going into their venture?
4: I would say generally as a trend, I would agree with that, Rick. I would say that uh, they're more aware of of, uh, what it would take or what their needs are. And um, I think that they've learned to uh, pinch pennies. And um, I think they're doing a good job at that. I've seen that uh, over and over. But uh, just as Alex has alluded to uh, a few times on the call, you do want to make sure that... um, You know, you're still looking out for some of these pitfalls and staying, being uh, aware of them and and staying
0: out of them for sure. Mm -hmm. From the the legal patent uh, trademark standpoint, uh, Alex, um, is the process easier now than it once was? Are there fewer loopholes or is the system still the same as it was maybe 10, 20 years ago?
3: Well, depending on the perspective uh, that that you look at it from, in some ways it's better and in some ways it's more challenging, uh, particularly in the space of software. The landscape for what is patentable in the software space has become much more complicated and difficult to navigate, Uh, so it it requires some real expertise from a qualified patent agent to navigate that, particularly in Canada and the United States. In some other areas, the patent office has streamlined the process, and and the province of Ontario is is working on a, a new office that's going to be helping people in Ontario with obtaining intellectual property rights so although that that hasn't come up to speed yet that's something that's in the works that's going to make things easier the uh, fundamentally you are dealing with in the patent space something that is a unique hybrid of a technical document and a legal document and it's something that it's not a do-it-yourself exercise that you may think you're saving money by by not paying the fees for the the patent agent to do the work but the net result will be even if you actually get the process completed and have the patent granted by the patent office it may not have the effective legal protection that you need to move the business forward so it it it's one of those things that similar to that you wouldn't you know try to operate on your own foot but you would go to the doctor It's the same sort of thing I would recommend that you you go to the patent agent and and get the advice to make sure that you're getting the protection you actually think you are.
0: And we only have a minute on this, Alex, but is the software world a little trickier because it's more of a global space and and you're you're adhering to different rules?
3: There are different rules, but the fundamental issue is that the court decisions Relating to what is patentable in the software space and what is not have created considerable confusion. And particularly in the United States, there's actually a legislation that's just been introduced in the United States Congress to try to clarify what those rules are.
0: Well, and it's people like Alex Ross at Gowling WLG, a lawyer and a registered Canadian patent agent that will uh, weave in and out and help young entrepreneurs uh, around some of these uh, hoops and hurdles and tricks and turns. And Aaron Gillespie, from a financial standpoint, will get you to where you need to be, a partner with KPMG. Alex, Aaron, thanks for your time today. Enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, good luck down the road. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. This is the Lion's Lair Post Show, live from the Innovation Factory at McMaster Innovation Park, and we are pleased to be talking about some amazing uh, ventures, entrepreneurs, innovators. Uh, this city has a lot to offer in that respect. And it was all celebrated last night at Carmen's Banquet Center with the Lion's Lair finale. Uh, Sixteen contestants duking it out for the prize of, uh, well, the, the top on the charts. And uh, uh, the top three will be joining us later on in the show. we got a couple of top people in our uh, in our midst here. We have uh, Shan McGrail, the CEO of Haltech Region Innovation Center. Shan, good morning. How are
5: you? Hey, good morning. I'm great. Thanks.
0: And we have Karen Linsman, the Director of Operations with Innovation Factory. Karen, how are you?
5: I'm great. Thanks. Good morning.
0: Snuggle up to those microphones so our radio listeners can hear you loud and clear. Uh, Karen, we'll start with you. Last night, yes. thoughts. So, what, what comes to mind?
6: Oh, it was first off just so incredible to be back in person and bring our community together again. Mm-hmm. Um, last night coming home getting all the emails and uh, texts and and messages this morning hearing about how much fun people had nice. and how thought like how grateful they were to just get together it was it just felt really good
0: the remote lines layer was great right the virtual it was, you know, it was good but there's a certain different buzz when you're with other people
6: 100% yeah and 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 in 2 years to two plus years a lot of community you know there's been changes people mm-hmm. have moved roles there's all these new people that we want to get connected to the companies that we're working with. So it was so valuable to have all those folks come together.
0: How many deals do you think were consummated last night?
6: Oh, <laughs> I don't know how many deals, but the introductions, my voice, I feel like sore just from like saying, you know, so-and-so meets so-and-so. Yeah. It was it was great to connect people. Um, and I, I hope there was a ton of introductions just from
5: everyone who was there and attendance. I'm sure there was.
0: Yeah. Uh, Shan, some thoughts on what transpired?
5: I completely agree with Karen on how great it was just to have people reconnecting Mm -hmm. and to that question about deals I can't say necessarily (laughs) consummated (laughs) but I can vouch within the first 10 minutes sitting down at our table Mm -hmm. we had a great introduction who knows what it's going to turn into but it was definitely one of those situations that wouldn't have happened virtually because it needed the happenstance of being in the same place at the same time so we had a company we had a potential investor we don't know we'll see what happens Mm -hmm. after last night's introduction but the importance of those kinds of events and connections that lead to the opportunities for these companies to grow and scale. And we know that they need that kind of connection and introduction to make it happen.
0: Do you think for a little while there, we took those sidebar conversations for granted and how important they are to making that connection?
5: absolutely and I think at the end of the day as much as you know we can put our profiles up and use social media Mm -hmm. and find people that way and materials it comes down to business is done with people and you have to be able to look people in the eye get to know them get to trust them form a relationship and you know that happens in person we can get it started online we can continue it online but it really grows and deepens when it's in person
0: Karen you're nodding your head at that one as well
5: yeah totally I had someone come up to me not on on a difficult business
6: situation though too right like you don't it's tricky to have those difficult ones in a virtual world too and you know there was some hard questions that someone wanted to ask one of our partner organizations and it's just it's way better to have those conversations in person Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: well, it was great to see a bunch of people at uh, Carmen's last night. 300 plus, I understand, yep. which is amazing. I'm sure they were happy Columbus. as well. Let's talk about Innovation Factory and how this has really become, I was going to say a community leader, really a provincial, national, world leader in bringing people together. How have you done it?
6: You know, thank you for that, first of all. <laughs> I appreciate welcome. the call out to being a leader. Um, I, th- I think we I think we are. We heard from some folks uh, last night, and we've heard it before when we've run this event, that Um, we're one of the few organizations like ours, the regional innovation centers that, that does run a big networking opportunity Mm. like this. And it's a ton of work, but it's meant to foster that community. It's meant to bring it together and it does it. So it's working and, uh, we've seen it work for the last 12 years and we want to keep doing it. Um, so Thank you for the the leadership (laughs) call out there. Um, But I think we also, we we stay really attuned. We work with our partners like Shan and the Mm -hmm. others in our RIC network to, you know, really know who's kind of taking point on what initiatives. And we all have our specializations. We all have expertise within our organizations that, that leads us to be able to deliver really specialized programs that help our companies. And I think we're doing increasingly a really good job and a better job of, you know, knowing who can lead in what regard, and and here in Hamilton, a big piece of that, as you'll probably hear more about today, is is around life sciences, and that sector of focus, and advanced manufacturing, and transportation. Um, so we lean in there, and we make sure that the resources and um, programs that we have to support innovators in those sectors is is really valuable for them. Mm-hmm. So we're just doing our best in that regard to to offer as much as we can to those companies and entrepreneurs.
0: In, in saying all that, and all that is 100% true, is there one thing that you think, man, I wish we did a little bit better on that or, or we took advantage of this opportunity to you know, expand our scope?
6: Yeah, when I see last night, I think more and more about that investment piece and about keeping the investor community really close to us. And I, I'm sure Shan will uh, speak to that too. It's so important to have the folks who can help these companies in a financial sense be close by be well aware of who these companies are and what they're doing. So they're interested. uh, So they're following them. So they're offering advice and then hopefully also investing in them and helping them to grow and get off. So um, I'd say if anything's missing and we, we do a ton in that already, we do offer some great investment readiness Mm -hmm. preparation stuff, but, the more that we can do to bring networking opportunities with these investors to um, have our companies prepared as they as they reach those points, it, the more we can do in that regard
5: is highly valuable. I think.
0: Shane, you're nodding your head at this. You're, you've you've heard this story over and over again, right?
5: I, and again, I'll agree with Karen on this. Is that it's so important to form those relationships with the investors? And one of the things that I've seen over the last little bit, and I know Karen's probably going to nod her head at this too, is. <laughs> the investors you know we we think about the money side of it but the experiences they have mm-hmm. the networks they have the knowledge they have that's something that they are open to contribute to these companies right. and in some t- in some cases they need that before they need the money 100% and they need it at different ways in different ways and they need to consume it differently and you know a lot of times we hear capital 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 it's what the companies need to scale but just as importantly is opening a door to a potential customer right getting that first big brand name customer that's really going to help these companies take off. That can be more important than the capital in a lot of cases and that's what these investors bring. They're, they're people with fantastic backgrounds and experiences and my, my connection with that community has said they're willing to share it and we just need to as Karen was saying just get better at understanding it and how to tap our companies into it
0: you're certainly on the right track that is for sure this is the lion's lair post show live from the innovation factory at McMaster innovation park on 900 chml rick samprin with you we have shan mcgrail is uh, the ceo of haltech region innovation center and karen linsman the director of operations with innovation factory the importance of entrepreneurship in the economy maybe shan we'll start with you if we didn't have entrepreneurs thinking about new ideas, thinking, bringing new products to market, where would we be?
5: We'd just be importing a bunch of things, wouldn't we? We would be importing a bunch of things, but then I also think about the companies we have that are already here, right? So we've got a number of big companies. If we didn't have entrepreneurs introducing them to new technologies, new innovations, new ways of doing things they would lose their competitive advantage, right? We wouldn't be on the world stage. Mm -hmm. So to your point, we'd import a lot of stuff, but we wouldn't have our name out there as Canada with these great Canadian companies. And entrepreneurs are a big contributor to that and bringing in these new ideas into these bigger companies so that they can continue to grow and scale and be representing Canada on the world stage is really critical. So we you know we've got that but then there's you know the jobs they create there's also the new business models that they bring. Right, entrepreneurs, you know, how many years ago, we didn't have this concept of Mm -hmm. resource sharing, ride sharing, all of those things. So these new business models come along just as easily with the technology and the innovations from these entrepreneurs.
0: Karen, you've seen a lot of these entrepreneurs come, utilize the services here at Innovation Factory, go on to bigger and better things. Have there been one or two where you thought, wow, these, these guys, these girls, just, they have it. They have the it factor. They know what their product is going to be and this is going to be successful. You must see it every day.
6: We see it every day. It's hard to know, though. It's a long, it's a long haul in right. some cases. Um, like we have some companies that, you know, before I even joined the team here, which is over five years ago, they were starting, and it's like now they're hitting this huge trajectory hmm. um, because, in some, especially in the the health and med tech space, um, those can be longer plays for, you know, them riding out their peak to right. commercialization and success. So, um, no, certainly we see them regularly and sometimes they surprise us. Um, the ones we maybe didn't know were going to be as successful as they were. And, and you know, we get shown up, but, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a few from early days that I, I know were here and coming in to get our support before I was here. And, and they're now hit hitting big marks and doing huge mm-hmm. things. So
0: Shan, how important is timing in this whole scenario?
5: timing is everything yeah. as you know just anything in life it all comes down to timing one of the things that i'll say about you know the entrepreneurs and i get to some of the companies that innovation factory works with we've got a whole different type of set of entrepreneurs at haltech is timing you can't control but what our entrepreneurs can control is their ability and their reactions to the market and things that are happening in the market Hmm. and their agility and how quickly they adapt to advice and coaching. Mm -hmm. So while they can't control the timing, they can control their reaction to what's happening around them and taking advantage of it.
0: Have you seen today's or maybe in the last five years, that maneuverability, that flexibility being a bigger part of their repertoire as opposed to five, 10 years ago?
5: I would have to say yes and you know we don't have to look any farther than the last 2 years in covid right. to have seen that how quickly our companies might have been down one track and you know within a matter of a week, 2 weeks, a month they've completely turned around their operations and they're completely into a different part of the market because they saw opportunity and they are resilient. They weren't going to let something like you know a worldwide pandemic <laughs> stop them. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to ask both of you this question. How do you think the pandemic has tweaked the game when it comes to entrepreneurs? Shan, we'll start with you.
5: I think it's sharpened them um, back to the point we were just talking about, like they're really looking at different types of opportunities and thinking about how fast they have to move. One respect, one of the things I've seen as well is their ability to be creative about the resources, so Mm -hmm. let's say it's capital, so they may have decided that they weren't going to go external, so they were really focused on bootstrapping their operations, so they might have slowed down a little bit in one respect, only to go faster now that we're coming out of things and looking at the next steps.
0: Karen, that, that flexibility, the maneuverability, has that been a key factor for entrepreneurs and innovators? At the onset of the pandemic and and two years later
6: yeah i'd say so i also i thought of the word survive like they found ways over the course of the pandemic just like shan said to make a pivot to find a way to you know make sure that they could still keep their team intact and Mm -hmm. keep things moving forward by being creative and finding a way for their business to survive um i'd also say though coming out of that pandemic there's probably an increased awareness and uh you know, the entrepreneurial life can be kind of lonely. Someone made a really good point about that last night. Um, but the pandemic, you know, just added to that. So I think with people coming out of it, it's, you know, an increased realization and appreciation for the opportunity to be connected to the folks that they need help, um, that they know they can get help from and, and coming to organizations like us and don't be afraid, don't be shy. Like you an entrepreneur you may not have all the the tools in the Mm -hmm. toolbox quite yet but you know it's a lonely world it was a lonely world during the pandemic and so i think everyone is aware of that and hopefully more aware and and willing to come and ask for help
0: so for those 16 finalists last night and certainly the top three and the winner the survival skills were on display totally
6: They did incredible. Yeah. Oh, they were so polished and they worked so hard. Like it goes a little bit amiss to see it just in one night, but the months and time leading up to it, uh, lots of dedicated work put into, uh, to getting to that point hundred percent and being ready to be in front of that many people in person again
0: yeah. <laughs> versus
6: just on a screen <laughs> yeah that's yeah. certainly
0: different yeah there, there was 16 finalists one winner but really at the end of the day they're all winners they're bringing their product to uh, you know a step closer to reality
6: right oh yeah some of them were so smart uh big shout out to those finalists who are uh they had call to actions afterwards you know like check out get this offer for mm-hmm. everyone here tonight um they just threw themselves out there and and had an opportunity with you know, 300 plus ears listening to them to go check out my app on the app store. Like, fantastic. I hope that they all get a big jolt in their numbers and and see those like coupons get used. So yeah.
0: awesome. Yeah. Shan, of those 16 last night, how many would be amazingly successful? Are they, were we talking all 16 or maybe two or three? Or uh, obviously it depends on, you know, how the, how the timing works
5: of course and it's you know if i had the ability to predict that way i you know would be in a completely different (laughs) world uh, but that aside you know the fact that there was so much competition just to get to the Mm -hmm. 16 i believe that you know that's a pretty strong group so you know law of numbers they may not all make it and yet at the same time there was a whole big process to go through to get to that final 16 and i i again will will say last night the show that they put on, the smartness of their pitch, the call to action, those are the indicators that they're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we just talked about resilience and they're pretty resilient to go through, I'm sure, a lot of feedback to get to last night and then be up in front of the audience the way they were. So um, I wish them all absolute uh, huge amounts of luck and would love to see them and continue to hit headlines from here.
0: Um, We just got about 30 seconds, Karen. Um, You know, both your organizations do an amazing job of bringing big people together, but what about Hamilton, Burlington, the Golden Horseshoe, bringing people together?
6: Yeah, I, I guess I want to kind of use this to be our call to action for on Do behalf not, of yes. Shan <laughs> and I, um, but like we've talked about, if you're interested in supporting entrepreneurs and innovators, um, know that our centers are out there, Halltech and Burlington and Innovation Factory here in Hamilton, but we're looking for people to extend that network and help our companies, so investors, people who are in business and want to support these tech and innovative companies, come see us. We the bigger the network we can grow only helps the companies that we serve, so
5: we want to meet you. Shan entrepreneurs, advisors, <laughs> potential staff. Well, anybody, yeah. come see us. Yeah,
0: It's a win-win-win for the community, organizations, entrepreneurs, the economy, and the list goes on and on. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Uh, congratulations on a great night last night.
6: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: That is Karen Linsman, the Director of Operations with Innovation Factory, and Shan McGraw, uh, McGraw pardon me, the CEO of Haltech Region Innovation Center. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.